0: Welcome to the Fancy Jam Podcast. My name's Jack from Fancy Jam Pictures. Every other week, I'll be talking to some of the best and most ambitious film creatives out there. This week, I have an interview with a friend of mine, Miriam Raja, who's a fantastic director of uh, some short films. Uh, she's also studying at the National Film and TV School in an ma in directing Uh, it's a great interview we touch on the types of stories that miriam likes to tell how she finds the people that she works with how she got started in film production and any advice she has for those that are starting out or those that want to apply to the nfts i do hope you enjoy the interview Okay, cool. Uh, I have with me today uh, Miriam Raja, who is a director of a few short films, and she's currently studying at the National Film and TV School in directing. Hi, Miriam. Thanks so much for joining Hi. me.
1: Hi. Yeah. Thanks for having me.
0: Fab. Uh, so, do you want to tell uh, the listeners a little bit about how you got started in filmmaking and film directing?
1: Yeah. Um. So I'm based in Slough, which, if you know Slough, there isn't much going on um but one summer um I was 14 years old and I just googled like um activities slow, and there was like a summer uh, a couple of summer courses happening so I found out one of them was a filmmaking course and never having really done any filming or you know I, I had no experience in that but I just signed up for it so my first introduction to it was through a youth filmmaking course which was run by a local production company that production company is resource productions whom i'm still in touch with so it's been 10 years and they've helped um actually since that day they've helped me on almost every short i've done so yeah i mean it's it was incredibly lucky in that sense but once i'd done the course and made my first short i then went away and started making more and more short films with friends um, so I got hold of a mini DV camera and then, um, just would shoot stuff around school or like after school. And I think we used to just put them on YouTube really. So yes, I mean, I did, I did do media studies for a level and then carried on uh, by applying to the film production course at, um, the arts university Bournemouth, which I think is now also called Bournemouth Film School. Um, so I did four years of film production and ended up rising in directing
0: Great. Uh, and how do you think you find the stories you want to tell, and what sort of stories attract you, do you think, as a director?
1: I write everything I direct. Um, and it, at the beginning, actually, when I first started making films, they were horror films because I think it's an easy genre to um, understand the tropes of and what works and what doesn't. Um, I guess it's like easy to try and mimic and. As I grew up, I realized the stories I wanted to tell actually came very much from um, my culture and um, within my own home. So I started off by telling stories which are very much contained within a domestic interior, um, you know, with female characters as the protagonist and looking at issues like identity or um, feeling, you know, displaced or diasporas so those are kind of the recurrent themes I've noticed in the past and more and more I feel like there are bigger subjects I want to try and push so you know I'm now looking into like exploring more taboo subjects which I think are not really being spoken about so my last film at the NFTS was about FGM Um, my next one is going to be about honor and womanhood so yeah I think gradually I just I began to understand what my Interest was in and sort
0: of hone in on that a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, from watching some of your shorts online, you get a sense that uh, your films are very much, as you, as you mentioned, uh, driven by character and they feel very personal. Often regarding a character feeling out of place with a with a certain element of their culture. Mm. I was wondering what what is it that kind of draws you to those stories and and you, you kind of touched down a little bit. But there's anything you think that that you know, draws you to telling those stories above you know going for something a bit more genre like the horror film dv camera routes that you you started making
1: yeah i think um a lot of it stems from wanting to explore a specific um type of feeling and um sometimes my characters are quite helpless so they'll be in a helpless situation where you know there isn't it's not very plot driven and traditionally you might say that they are passive characters, but I think because a character is trapped, it doesn't mean they're passive. Um, so I I'm really interested in the feeling of um it's actually an Urdu word which is not really translatable in English, which is guten. And that it's hard to translate, but it kind of means suffocation. Um so I became really interested in exploring that and getting that feeling across, but through through the short films, making that affecting an audience in that way. So I'm not saying I'm always like suffocating myself, and I want an audience to feel that way as well. But I, I think that's why um my films are not s- so heavily plot driven, or I wouldn't like stick by, you know, the basic rules of writing in that sense. It becomes more of an experience, I think, where you have to completely experience what the character is experiencing. So yeah, it would it they're very you know they're very much our stories which stem from characters in certain situations rather than a whole wide world around them.
0: Yeah, now you mentioned that uh, you write all of your scripts. And I was wondering if you want if I could talk a little bit about your process as a director, um, and how you separate sort of the responsibility as a writer, uh, and your role as a director and and what the sort of first things you do as a director when you approach uh, the script.
1: Most of the times I will start with an image. So there'll be one particular image that plays in my mind over and over and you know, it'll stick in there for months and months. And then I'll realise I need to write something Based on that, and um, I think there's usually a danger where some directors will like want to keep their writer hat on and not take it off till just before the shoot. I try and write. I I actually write quite plainly, so scripts are not very heavily detailed. And I think that can also be a flaw in a director where you you think you know your you think you know exactly how you're going to shoot it, so you can like skip out details. But it's really important for the crew to know what you want to do. I'll write a script and I kind of cheat where I write in a way where scenes can be bookended and I know I can then shift them in the edit. So I end up usually rewriting in the edit with the editor and throwing the script out once you've shot it, throwing it out completely. And usually, you know, the editor will do something completely different and use a scene from the middle as the opening scene or whatever which i always find is so much more exciting and that's what i did with yeah quite a few of my shorts actually and it made them even better but it's allowing yourself that flexibility from the writing process you just need to know exactly what your scene is about then you know where it might fit in in the story as a whole and on set as well i'm i'm really open to letting the actors come up with their own lines or shifting lines or you know trying something completely different so to me the script is always just it's not to say the script is not important but I, I use it more as a guide then or like the skeleton and then we'll flesh on set and finally you know reflesh it maybe in the edit.
0: Yeah absolutely T- to build on that idea and you talked about having a very fruitful uh, working process um, with your editor how do you build your team and, and how do you choose which HODs you want to work with and, and how do you ensure kind of as a director you have uh, a fruitful and kind of collaborative working relationship with them
1: uh, so so through meeting resource productions there were uh, you know there was another group there was basically a group of us as young filmmakers and we made films together and then once I went to the arts University Bournemouth I met people there and they you know you, you see who you get on with and you kind of stick with the team so I think that's the beauty of sort of community like community groups like these or courses like this where you have immediate open access to other creatives and at the nfts for example there's only eight people in each course so you know already everyone's incredibly talented it just becomes about who who you get on with and who kind of wants to tell the same stories as you i do tend to prefer to work with people i've worked with before and i do think it's quite rare to find you know those sort of gems that you want to keep around you but what happens is you just you know The level of communication you have between you the two of you would it just becomes so much more to the point and they know exactly what you're trying to say without you having to say it um so i do think do definitely think finding a really good team um and uh, yeah i would say it's a team not a crew like it's it's they are there just as important as you are but in terms of finding them i would i would just say it's about making sure you spend a lot of time with someone and ask questions beyond the project you're making so really out what their taste might be what kind of makes them go and it's always interesting to see what someone might find speaks to them in a script because if my script is very much so Mm. they're quite personal so they'll be about a culture I know but not necessarily someone else but if they can still find something that you know gets them going then I think that's a good sign
0: yeah absolutely to uh, to talk a little bit about um script again then do do you think you'd ever in the future work on uh, a project that another screenwriter had written, or do you think because the stories you're attracted to are so personal and could kind have of mean something to you that you'll always want to uh, to write your own projects?
1: So while being at the NFTS, because the, there's an amazing screenwriting course here, I did end up working with a screenwriter on uh, one of the projects I've done here. So, but again, I couldn't fully really let it go, and we ended up co-writing. Mm. But I found it such an amazing process to have someone else bounce with you from the very beginning i would say i I think i think it's an important skill for a director to have to be able to direct another script or something written by someone else because yeah it it, you know it's you still kind of add what you, you you do bring something to it it's not you don't lose ownership i think so i wouldn't steer clear of other people's scripts because of fear of losing ownership or not having my vision on it blah 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 not having my stamp i don't think that's the right way to look at it but yeah if someone out there will write a story that i feel i can connect to i would definitely do it otherwise i'd, I'd find it really difficult i think to <laughs> go ahead and direct something that i don't think i could relate to or could do any justice
0: yeah absolutely um a lot of your stories deal with uh, certain elements of asian culture uh do you think there is a kind of underrepresentation of of uh, female asian directors in the film industry and, and why do you think why do you think that is
1: I, so i think there you know there's definitely been like a wave of british asian films as a genre and that i mean when you think of that you think of bender like beckham or monsoon wedding or maybe like the first one was beautiful Laundrette. but since then it's been very much like these they're not really again they're not really films i think i would want to watch um, and uh even i think it's getting better i think it's definitely getting better but still i for example have an issue with elderly Asian characters on TV that speak in accented English, because I just don't think that's authentic. But you can see from that that it's because it's still being marketed to a very Western audience. There is a shift and it's quite slow. And I have, you know, I mean, there's no escaping um, sort of this realization of yourself as a diverse filmmaker and what that means. And I think it's really easy for um, to get burdened by it to to think that you have to be the voice and to think that you have to sort of champion diversity and representation. And I think actually that can be quite problematic, if uh, for a filmmaker.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I would just encourage anyone out there not to get too bogged down by it. Really, I I don't mean you you know you shouldn't be voicing it, but I also don't mean because I do have friends who feel like maybe because of diversity they didn't get to a point they should have been and i think that's very unhealthy because at the same time you could say you only got to where you are because of diversity Mm -hmm. so i think it's very important for filmmakers to be um to look at it in a healthier way than just you know let that become what defines them if you know what i mean
0: yeah absolutely do do you think there's some sort of pigeonholing then in in the in sort of the types of stories that uh the kind of diverse filmmakers are telling and and feel like they can tell.
1: Yeah. I think it's, I think it's very, very easy to get pigeonholed. And I think especially, um, at this level where you're like going out pitching for funding and like you come up in front of someone with a body of work that's very Asian. And then suddenly you pitch for like a story that's, you know, maybe let's say like a fantasy film and the funders being like, well, that doesn't, you know, we thought you were about this. Why do you want to make this? So, I'm not saying that happens, but, you know, it's easy for you to end up accidentally building a niche and a pigeonhole, pigeonholing yourself, really. I haven't found that to be the case. And I was quite lucky to get funding from Creative England for an I Shorts film, which featured a white male protagonist and um, was English, which, you know, was really nice because... I wasn't questioned Mm
0: -hmm.
1: on whether I was like steering away from the kind of films I should be making or whatever so I do have hope I think it will change and I think there are stories out there that need to be told and I'm sure there's plenty of filmmakers that are coming up but it's about not you know losing hope but also not letting it become the most the the biggest defining thing about yourself
0: um are there do you think there are any particular obstacles you you've faced sort of in your filmmaking career so far or or anything you've kind of learned from the films that you've made in the past that you would uh you know that you're going to take forward in your in your future projects
1: oh that's a tough one i mean also uh i haven't (laughs) i mean i haven't had much of a career just yet so i think it will all begin as soon as i graduate i mean the being in the bubble of student life is very very nice I would probably say it's um the most important thing I've learned is being confident I mean that because also I remember you know letting myself get undermined because I was young and a girl and a student or you know all sorts of things like that so all these years and the more the more films I make the the more I learn that it's just super important to be confident and I don't know if
0: that actually answered your question actually but <laughs> yeah no absolutely no no, that's good um, perhaps we we roll on to that a little bit um do you have any advice you would give to kind of first-time filmmakers people that maybe uh were in your shoes three or four years ago that are kind of going for their first funded short film uh what, what would you say to them or what would you say to yourself in that position
1: uh, i honestly think the the best thing to do is to And this is obviously what everyone, everyone always, always says, but it's to keep making films. And if I could do it with like a broken mini DV camera, you know, people can do it with an iPhone. The second thing would be to really think about what you have to say about the world, to really be clear about what, you know, what are your small obsessions? It could be like, you're really into fabrics, which I am. And like, I'm really into fabrics and domestic interiors and food. And that will somehow inform the way I stylize my films so you know know what your small obsessions are in terms of like the texture of a film and just know what you want to say about the world if you are a director or writer know what you have to say about the world and why you want to be saying it because everyone has everyone has a completely distinctive voice but you need to be able to know what that is And finally, my last point would be be proactive. Like, yeah, absolutely just be proactive. There are so many websites and like Facebook groups and events and it's just about, and it takes time, but it's like, I used to, you know, try and go to all these film festivals and submit my films to absolutely everything I could back when it was free and um, go to like networking events and just meet with people and keep contact and like email in and stuff. So it's definitely about being proactive. And also with the internet, it's just so much easier now. I'm saying that as if I come from an age of no internet, but <laughs> <Like>.
0: <laughs> it's true. Everything's out. Everything's out there on the internet. You know, it is possible to find these opportunities and the film festivals and and networking and um, yeah, everything's just to Google away.
1: Yeah, it is. It literally is. I mean, it's a lot of googling, but it's it, there's like newsletters and stuff, and there's there are more and more schemes out there. I think now so it's about applying to everything and you will like get rejected what like 60 percent of the time maybe 70 percent but it doesn't you know once you get one thing it'll, it'll snow so it's about mm-hmm. not giving up
0: that's it persistence the most important skill for any filmmaker to have i want to talk a little bit about the nfts um how did you kind of get to know about the school and how did you become involved and end up studying on the on the directing course
1: Yeah, um, it's quite an unusual story, I guess. Uh, But uh, my graduation film from Bournemouth, which is Tezib. um, So after I graduated from Bournemouth, I just sort of went freelance, aka sadly unemployed, for about a year. And um, I was also then, luckily I got the the funding to make an short. So I was just sort of focusing on that. Uh, So a year later, Tezib was nominated for a... um, RTS award. So we'd won the regional, went on to the national, and it was nominated for the undergrad, um, which we ended up winning. And uh, the director of the NFTS, John Wardle, happened to be there, and the NFTS won the postgrad award. And he basically just asked me whether I had been thinking about applying to the school and kindly invited me to come on the course. So thank you so much. I, I think I would, I would definitely have applied a year later anyway. So it's just incredibly lucky that it happened that way. And I do think it's probably one of the best things that's happened. I mean, I've learned an incredible, incredible amount already so far. And I'm gearing up to shoot my grad film in two months and... Mm-hmm. It feels like it's gone too quickly. I think as a director, there's you know there's never enough learning and just the people I've met here, it's been absolutely invaluable, yeah.
0: Is is there any advice you'd give to um, directors who are kind of applying for the course at the moment? I know the applications just closed uh, a couple of weeks ago, but people who were sort of thinking that uh, the NFTS might be for them.
1: Yeah, I think um, one of the things I would say is not letting the fees uh, put you off because I know that the school... I know there are many scholarships available in the school will you know, do whatever they can to help you. Mm. You know, Once you're in, they'll support you. So I would say have the confidence to apply. And then I would also say, and again, I think it's about individuality and identity, I think. So they're not really looking for, I would say they're not looking for um, the most experienced director. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to know the craft inside out. That's what you'd be coming there to learn. But it's about, Again, coming back to knowing what you want to say, what kind of stories you want to say. So I would focus on that,
0: yeah. Uh, fab. So you mentioned, um, obviously, your graduation film, which is coming up in uh, a few months, but w- what else is next? for Do you have anything on the horizon, maybe longer term or, or any kind of future plans?
1: Uh, so I've I've begun talking to agents and hopefully I'll be signing with one quite soon and then fantastic <laughs> congratulations it's yeah. great so hopefully they'll they'll kind of know what to do with my career um i i don't do music videos and commercials actually which um I, quite a few of my uh, director friends do do and i know you can make you know a career out of that or at least mm-hmm. you know pay rent with that but that's not something i've done um i'd be open to trying commercials definitely um i'm also open to TV actually just because I think the format allows you know it's so rich in terms of exploring relationships and those kind of dynamics and then I'd be intrigued to see what I could do Um, apart from that I am starting to write uh, my first feature
0: very exciting
1: which uh, (laughs) thank you which uh, I'm hoping so the grad film is kind of set in the same world um, so as soon as the grad is done I would basically um, begin writing that properly And move on to looking what I can do in terms of first features. It always feels terrifying. You never feel ready, I think.
0: Fab. Uh, So final question for you, Miriam. What are a couple of your favorite films and how do you think they've inspired both yourself and the projects that you've worked on?
1: I always hate this question just because my taste is so varied. I mean, I've grown up watching French New Wave and Bollywood. Some of my favorite filmmakers, I would say, are Michael Haneke, Bergman and... Oh God, I I did like Jean-Luc Godard. I think he's gone a bit loopy now, but I think, oh God, my taste is so varied. I don't know. I really, it's been on my list to do this, to like make an actual list. Uh, (laughs) Hmm. One of my favorite films is a French film called La Haine, which is a black and white film that came out in 95. And it has nothing to do with like the kind of films I want to make, but it's so visceral and timeless and incredible. Um,
0: No, it's a fantastic film.
1: um, So I think that, that's always stuck out as one of my absolute favorites. Yeah.
0: Mm. My parents got to see that film with uh, Asian dub foundation doing the soundtrack oh, live. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like that was the best, like the most incredible experience.
1: That sounds amazing. Yeah. They're
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very jealous of that.
1: You know what? I mean, cause I, I go to film festivals as well, just to watch films. Uh, even if I don't have one in and one of my favorites has been like Sarajevo and I've seen so many incredible films there, but Short films as well, I, what, I, actually that would be another piece of advice is to like watch short films because you do end up learning so much more and I think short films are a, you know, it, you, you could say it's, a, it's like a different, it's a completely different format, yeah, um, and you do learn quite a bit about the structure and what works plot-wise with short films, so I would recommend people to go out and watch shorts if they can, especially because you can find them so easily online. Favourite films? I mean, obviously, everyone will cite Bicycle Thieves, <laughs> because it's also a timeless classic. I just, I love the elegance of the way this tragedy is told. There's no melodrama, and yet, I always end up in complete tears at the end of it. Um, and another director I'm really, really fascinated by is Andres Viagintsev. He's a Russian director who last year released loveless which i don't know if you've seen but
0: it's on my list
1: yeah it's incredible and all his early work is absolutely absolutely incredible but there's something about russian filmmakers i think anyway which the depression of it i really speaks to me i think but
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> well thank you miriam thank you for taking the time to talk with me Thank you, thank you, you. Uh, i will put a link to some of your short films in the description down below so if you haven't seen any of miriam's work i do suggest that you take a look thanks Miriam take care
1: thank you so much
0: and there we have it I do hope you enjoyed my interview with Miriam do check back in a couple of weeks where I'll be talking with Ben Malaby who is a comedy director and has recently released a short film called Elderflower we talk a little bit about working in comedy and working with stand-up comics as writers and lead performers Uh, it's a great interview so do check back then thanks very much take care